0: First Peter chapter number 4, when you find that, if you'd stand with me for the reading of the Word of God in honor of His Word, and let's all focus upon the Word of God, beginning in verse number 1, 1 Peter chapter number 4, and verse number 1. Forasmuch then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men but to the will of god for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness lust excess of wine revelings banquetings and abominable idolatries wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer." If you'll leave your Bible open there, and I'm going to have you find another passage of Scripture here in just a minute. But if you'll leave your Bible open there, we are going to look at these verses uh, with this thought in mind. Making the best of the rest of your time. Making the best of the rest of your time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask you one last time. For your blessing upon the message that you would use this as only you can. And that your word, your word would hit the target that it's meant to hit. Uh, Lord, you know what that is. I, I don't. I just want to preach this message the way you'd have it preached. So I ask for, I ask for unction, for boldness, for direction. Um, Lord, please do what only you can in the hearts of your people. We pray in Jesus Christ's name amen and amen thank you for standing and please do be seated once you're seated if you'll find Romans chapter 6 we're going to kind of turn back and forth there a little bit uh, to look at some verses over in Romans uh, Romans chapter 6 and if you'll just find that and mark that in your Bible somehow way shape or form where we can kind of go back and forth as we get on into this Uh, it'll just keep us moving along we want to try to keep moving along as hard as that can be Sometimes. um For years, for years, I've made this statement, you can't should have, you can't should have. Um, Well, I should have, you can't should have, and then my wife picked it up. She aggravates the fire out of me sometimes, I'm telling you, because I'll say, well, I should have, well, a guy told me one time, you can't should have, and so anyway, we'll, we'll not get into that. I'll argue with her about that later. Anyway, I've said for years, you can't should have because you can't should have. It's an impossibility. You can't. There's no redos. You can't redo. I mean, we can't go back. Come on, stay with me. We can't go back and do it all over again, no matter how much we may wish that we can. There are just things that you cannot redo. There's things you can't do. In this life, I can't relive yesterday. I can't relive last year. I can't redo what I did back in my youth. I can't redo that. If there's no, I can't should have. There's been times that I have sat with my head in my hands and thought, "Man, I should have, I should have, I should have." But you can't do that. I mean, there's no way that that can actually be done. Um, every one of us, every one of us, only have whatever time that we have before us in this life. I know that's not a real deep statement, but it's absolutely the truth. Every one of us only have whatever time we have left here in this life. Well, preacher, how long is that? I don't know, but God knows. He says that our days are numbered from the womb. And so he knows exactly how much time we have left. And the thing is, is we can't say, we can't say, I certainly can't say anymore. Well, I'm young. I have a lot of time left. I can't say it anymore. Some people might say, I'm young, preacher. I have a lot of time left. You don't know that. Now, I'm not trying to be a preacher of doom and gloom when I say that. It's just a fact we don't know how much time we have left. We don't know when we will take our last breath on this earth. We, 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 don't, we don't know that. But whatever time, whatever time that we might have is all that we have. Our days are numbered. And it's really not a bad idea to think about what you're going to do with the rest of your time here on this earth. It's not a bad thing to think about those things. I mean, to put some thought towards that. To be careful not to be thinking, oh, I have plenty of time. We have to be careful about that because we don't know that we have plenty of time. We have time before us, but we don't know how much that is. And probably one of the biggest things that will prompt us to make the best of the rest of the time that we have here on this earth is that if we live it, in the light of eternity. One Bible commentator said this. I thought it was a good quote. He said, if a person really believes in eternity, then he will make the best use of his time. End quote. If a person really believes in eternity, then he will make the best use of his time. I don't think I could find any argument anywhere that there's been a lot of... There's been many a life that has been wasted by those that take no thought of eternity. I mean, all they're thinking about is the now. They live only for the here and now. And once again, all that you have left, all that I have left is the rest of my time. Whatever that's going to be. That's all I have left. Look, whether Jesus comes back to call us out of here or whether death takes us, we're all leaving here one day. Every one of us have an appointment with that. One of these days, we will be gone. Have you ever really given a lot of thought about how the rest of your life is going to count for eternity? Come on, we are Bible believers. We have been saved by the grace of God. We do believe that God has a purpose for us. We do believe that God has a plan For us, Have you ever really given thought, I'm talking about sitting and meditating and pondering and giving thought about how the rest of your life is going to count for eternity. Because one day we will stand, as believers, we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account of our life and what we have done with the opportunities, the talents, the abilities that we have been given right here since we've been saved by the grace of God. Now, we know this for a fact. Peter is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We know that. And and he seems to point to the fact that we need our thinking adjusted. We, as believers. He's he's writing to believers. And and he he seems to point to the fact that, that we need our thinking adjusted. Well, what makes you think that, preacher? Well, because there in verse number one, he says, arm yourselves Likewise with the same mind. Okay, then let's back up just a little bit. I don't know where that's from. In the beginning of verse number one. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Arm yourselves with that same mind. Um, Pardon me. Our outlook... Our outlook can determine our outcome in life. The way, we look, the way that we look at things, it can determine our outcome. So our outlook our outlook has to be right. It, it must be right. And, and, and just as important, or even more important at times, our attitude must be right. Our outlook must be right. And our attitude, I can't stress that enough, our attitude must be right. If we're going to make good use of the rest of our time here on this earth, it will help if our attitude is what it needs to be. Our attitude is what it needs to be in a couple of different areas. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Number one, we need to have a very radical attitude towards sin. A radical attitude towards sin. Uh, Look at verse number one again. It says, For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Let me make it really clear right here. If your attitude towards sin is weak... Um, you'll not be using your time in the right manner. Now, I don't mind. I'll say that again. If your attitude towards sin is weak, you're not going to be using your time in the right manner. What, What do you mean, preacher? Well, if you've shifted into the mindset if you've shifted into the mindset that God just winks at your sin, writes it off as, oh, well, that's just the way that they are. I'm here to tell you tonight, you're sadly mistaken. And it will cause you to continue to coast in your Christian walk instead of grow in your Christian walk. No, no, we can't have that mindset. And it's, 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 it's so terrible because we're so surrounded by sin today. I said, we're so surrounded by sin today that that we as believers have become desensitized. And and if, if not careful, we're prone, we're very prone to form this weak attitude toward it, this weak attitude toward sin. So what did Peter have to say about that under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost? Well, he's telling us to identify with Jesus Christ in relation to sin. He said, You need to identify, stay with me here, you need to identify with Jesus Christ in a relation to sin. Uh, turn over to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, look at verse number 3. Romans 6 and verse number 3. It says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Uh, look down to verse number 10. Verse 10 says, For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse number 11, Likewise, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ your Lord. Verse number 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust. There. Skip down verse fourteen. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. So we do know this. I, I, I know. I, no, no. I understand the simple. We do know this. It was because of our sins that Jesus suffered and died in the flesh. We know that. No, no, no. He died for our sins. Sin's debt was paid by Jesus Christ. I'm talking about. Our sin as believers has been dealt with on the cross of Calvary all those centuries ago. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen right there. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. But they're back there in in chapter 4 of of 1 Peter in verse number 1. The second part of that verse says, likewise with the same mind. So, So we're to arm ourselves likewise with the same mind. Over in in Romans chapter 6, verse number 11 says, Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, we're to reckon ourselves, please stay with me, we're to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That word reckon, it's a pretty simple word, it just means to count it to be so. We count it to be so. Well, preacher, I don't feel like I'm always dead to sin. I don't always feel like I'm dead to sin either, but we live by faith, right? Absolutely, we live by faith. And so we reckon ourselves... No, no, the Lord says it's so, then it's so. So we count it to be so. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you're now in Him. We know that. Come on. We are in Christ. And so therefore, you, 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 you therefore are dead unto the power of sin. You, through Him, have power over sin. No, we do. Come on. By the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ... We have power over sin. Uh, Over there in chapter number 6 of Romans verse 14. The first part of that verse says. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin doesn't have dominion over you anymore. Once you are in Christ. Once you've been saved by the grace of God. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. Well how come preacher? Because back in 1 Peter chapter 4. The last part of that verse says. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. So. So. For he that has suffered in the flesh with Christ, come on, we're in Christ. For he that has suffered in the flesh with Christ hath ceased from sin. Now, this isn't saying, please, please. This is not saying that we no longer commit sin. No, 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 no. What it is saying is that we are no longer governed by sin, and we are no longer powerless against sin. We're no longer powerless. We're in Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. No, no, no. Okay, look at verse, uh, chapter number 4, 1 Peter 4, chapter 4, look at verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So now, we that are saved by the grace of God, we need to no longer be governed by our lust. We have to, we, no, no, we don't have to be governed by our lust anymore. We don't have to be led by our lust anymore. We don't have to give in to our lust anymore. God has set us free to spend the rest of our time doing His will. I said, He has set us free. We, we, we accept this by faith. We know He saved our soul. We know He forgave us our sin. We know that we've been born again. We know that we are in Christ. And we accept this by faith. I'm telling you that, 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 that we can now spend the rest of our days doing the will of God. Instead of being led around by our own flesh and lust. See, us that have been saved, this is so good, this is so good. Us that have been saved, um, we have victory. Those that have not been saved, well, they're just kind of out there on their own. Um, they're set to spend... They're set to spend the rest of their time as slaves to their own lust. Whatever their lusts lead them to do. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. That's where a a saying's like, well, if it feels good, do it come from? It comes from the flesh. It comes from the flesh. No, 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 no. And people like that that are out there and they're lost. They don't know the Lord. They've already spent a good part of their time even this year chasing the lust of their flesh. Just doing whatever they want. No, just doing their own thing. I mean, spending money on their own desires, chasing their own dreams, just doing whatever they want to do. Wow, preacher, man, what's the big deal? What's the big deal, preachers? And I like all of them are out there just wallowing in the wickedness of this world. So what's the big deal? Okay, okay, okay. Well, let's say then that none of the things that they were doing were just outright wickedness. But was any thought given to eternity? Spending our life on eternity and eternal things. Every one of us, every one of us are given 86,400 seconds a day. Every one of us. Each day, you are spending those seconds in some way, shape, or form. Every single day. And days come and days go, don't they? I mean, and so because of that, we need to be mindful of how we're spending the time. We need to be mindful of that. Is it spent? No, no. Stay with me. Is it spent on your own lust, o- on your own will? Is it spent on just on just what you choose to do, or is it spent on the will of God? It does make a difference. Come on, it'll make a difference in your life, and it can make a difference on the lives of people that are around you in your close circles, and it can even make a difference in the lives of people that are in your concentric concerns of circles. It can make a difference. And let me just go ahead and say this, if it makes you mad to be challenged with the way that you're using your time, are you sure that you're using it the right way? Or who are you to question what I'm... Who are you to question... No, 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 no. If it upsets you that bad that someone would question you about whether you're using your time for God or not, are you sure you're using it the right way? Come on if you're if you're born again child of God more than likely you have read Romans chapter 6 and you know that that you know that that the truth that's laid out in that wonderful wonderful chapter is that Jesus has set us as born again believers free from the bondage of sin that we might do the will of God. That's why he saved our soul that we might do the will of God. Come on, I'm, I'm thankful I never have to go to hell. But he didn't save me just so I don't have to go to hell. He saved me that I might do the will of God. And he saved you that you might do the will of God. How much thought are we giving to that? Because it is important. No, no, it is important. We will live, we will live for eternity. And so will those people around us. And so is our mindset Just on what we want, what we want to accomplish, how we want to be, what we want to do, how we want to use our time, or is it really on what God would have us to be, what God would have us to do? You know, it's really something, when we begin to think, do you you remember what sin did to you when you simply walked and worked in the will of your sinful nature. Over in Romans chapter 6, there in verse number 20, the Bible says, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then, and those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death." Now, we have to think about this some. Come on, we have to think about this some. What? um, Was it not the fruit of sin that drove you to Christ? No, no, when you realized how sinful sin was, and that God had an answer for that. Come on, you realized your sinfulness, and man, oh man, it was like, And so many, so many, I don't know, but so many are down, and so many get to the bottom of the barrel. And they're reaping the the fruit of their sin. And that's what causes them to look up and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. So now, come on, now... Romans chapter 6 verse 20 where we just read now that you're saved from sin why in the world would you want to continue therein now now that you are saved from sin Why, why would you want to continue therein why would you want to flirt with sin why would you keep stay with me here why would you keep running to sin that makes no sense It makes no sense that God saved you from your sin and then he, he, he sets you free from your sin. You're no longer in bondage to that sin. If you're running to it, it's because you have will to do that. And if you're going to use the rest of the time that God has given you here on this earth in a wise, godly manner, you are going to have to have a radical attitude towards sin. We can't have this we can't have this worldly attitude towards sin. we have to have a godly attitude towards sin. you're going to have to be willing to fight the good fight of faith. God has given you the victory, so quit flirting with sin. quit flirting with it, but also to make the best of the rest of the time that you have here on this earth, point number two. We have to have a really long-suffering attitude toward the lost. Please get this. We have to have a long-suffering attitude toward the lost. Look at verse 4 there in 1 Peter chapter number 4. Well, let's read verse 3. For the time past of our own life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles doing what they do when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Now, if you got saved, please, please, please get this if you got saved at a young age and you have never truly lived out some of those things that are listed in verse number 3 there, I mean, if you got saved at a young age, I mean, I mean, God convinced you you're a sinner, you trusted Christ as your Savior, and you've never lived out, thank God for that, you've never lived out th- some of those things. If that's the case, it also may be the case that you have a, you'll have a hard time relating to and, and sympathizing with those things those that have been hardened by sin. Those that have lived such a life like that. So let's think about some things here. Let's think about it. Go on, let's think, think with me now. Think about it. When you begin to live out God's will for your life, according to verse number four, when you, when you, when you begin to live out God's will for your life, spending your time doing what Say what I mean, doing what God would have you to do, those who do not believe, those who continue to run to sin instead of running away from sin, are going to think you're pretty weird. No, it says it right there. In verse number four, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess. God tells us, he explains to us, you start walking a different way, living a different way, people are going to look at you weird. People are going to think you're strange. People aren't going to understand all of that. And they may even, according to the word of God, they may even talk bad about you. Because you're trying your best to live for God. They may even talk bad about you. And because of that, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to be long-suffering. You're going to have to realize they don't understand what you're doing. They don't understand why you're doing that. They have lived a different life. And they have a, they have a totally different paradigm than you. Uh, What do you mean? Well, a a, a totally different concept of life than you. A a totally different idea. A totally different standard of life than you. Totally different. All they know is the sinful side of life. All they know is their sin nature. Yeah. Verse number four there says, wherein they think. They think. That says it all right there. What do you mean, preacher? The way that they think is totally different from the way that you now think, think as a believer. Totally different. Come on. Let's not get it mixed up. Let's not get it mixed up. That, that, no, 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 no. We as believers should not any longer be thinking like an unbeliever. were once where they are and they can't figure out why you've changed they don't have that spiritual discernment and you can tell them well I got saved well I trusted Christ as my savior well God saved my soul well God forgave my sin huh no no really they they, they don't have any no 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 And and they may say stuff like, well that's real good that's good that's so good and have no understanding why you quit doing the things you're doing, or why you started doing the things that you started doing. Have no real understanding about that. They can't figure out why you changed. All those years ago, I was working as a driller on a drilling rig in an oil field when I got saved. The oil field is not a real savory crowd. Uh, Many could tell you that, who've ever worked out in that. And when I was working, the, the, the drilling rig I was working on, I got a picture of it in my study, the drilling rig I was working on. I was a driller, had a crew, and uh, we were working seven days on and seven days off. We worked seven 12-hour days, and then we were off seven days, and then come back and work seven 12-hour days again. And uh, my last shift that I worked with my crew, I was a lost sinner. I mean, lost, terribly lost. I'll put it this way. I was the chiefest of sinners. Oh, no, preacher. Paul was the chiefest of sinners. Then I was right underneath him. I mean, just right underneath him for sure because I was there. I was a lost sinner. I was wicked as the day was long. I mean, my life was a mess. And then on those seven days off, my seven days that I had off, I got saved on those seven days off. Somewhere in that time period, I got saved In that seven days off. I'm talking to the Holy Ghost of God. The Holy Ghost of God took up residence in me and sanctified my soul. And when I came back to work after those seven days off, I was no longer the man that I used to be. No, no. In that that short period of time, God had already taken me to a different level. I, I wasn't anywhere where I needed to be, but God had already taken me to a different level. He had already changed me. Don't no, no, don't zone out on me here. He had already taken me to a different level. My thinking was no longer the same because of what He did in my heart, in my life, in my mind, because of what He did. A week ago, I was on the inside with that crowd, worked with them lost, wicked, I was on the inside. I was with that crowd. That was my crowd. I was thinking like they did, acting like they did, doing as they did, because it was the only way that I knew to think. It was all I knew. Everything that I'd lived. It was all that I knew. But when I returned after that seven days off, after getting saved, I was already on the outside of that group. I was already on the outside because I was seeing differently. I was thinking differently. Things were different in my own mind, in my heart. To my crew, on that first day back, when I got back, I was already strange. And that's exactly what they were thinking. I'll never forget that first day back. We got back. I don't know how much you know about a drilling rig. We got back and we were drilling. Uh, That means uh, that that things were going on and we were just digging down and so it came time that we had to work and make this connection and I don't have time to explain all that but the crew, they were out there working and I was running the the drilling rig to do all this stuff and they came up and they knew what to do. Had a great crew as far as the work went and they were working and and I was just running the rig and it was weird because um, that Seven days before that, before I, when I, before I got saved, whenever we were out there working and I was running the rig and they were doing the work out there, I wasn't talking to them very nice. Uh, I had a uh, oil field language, which I don't like to think about, but I did. And it didn't matter how good of a crew I did and how hard they worked, I still didn't talk nice to them when they were working. I mean, I always had something to say, derogatory bad and we're out there and they're doing their thing and i'm running the rig and i'm not saying anything because i can't think of anything to say can't think of anything to say and pretty soon they're looking over their shoulder what's wrong with driller what's going on with him and I remember after doing making that connection and the crew went off to do their jobs and I walked back in the, into the doghouse where, where I worked from to watch everything. I remember thinking, this is too weird. No, they were thinking I was weird and I was thinking I was weird. This is too weird. This is too strange. And those that do not know Christ judge us that do they judge us to be strange they thought I was strange when I started trying to explain to them I got saved I trusted Christ as my savior they had no they had no understanding of what went on oh driller got religion no I got into a relationship they had no understanding and they thought they judged me to be strange I no longer wanted to drink I no longer wanted to do drugs my desire to go to the bars was gone I no longer wanted to do that the way that I once talked like I just told you about was quickly foreign to me it was so so strange And and a lot of people that have been saved by God's grace have gone through something like this. Maybe not exactly, but something like this. Uh, God changed them. And, and they, no longer were, were, they no longer were sitting on a bar stool swigging down brews every night. And they, they weren't out dancing and messing around, messing around with somebody else's wife. And they no longer, no longer condone the sins that so are so widely accepted in our society today. And everything seems to be viewed differently since they met the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't dress him modestly anymore. They're not interested in having premarital sex. They're not out there lying and cheating and, and, and doing whatever they have to do... To, necessary to work their way to the top? Nope. And to the unbelievers, those that do not know Christ, we're strange. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Only by God's grace. Yeah. So here is where you have to get to. Here's where you have to get to. Now look at verse number 5. Here's where you have to get to. Uh, let's read verse number four again, keep it, keep it in our mind. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot. Speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him? They will. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? So here's where, where we have to get to. Come on, get this, get this, get this. Here's where we have to get to. Don't worry about what they think of you. Don't fret over what they think about you. No, 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 don't worry. There's no need to worry. Well, it just seems like they're judging me, you know. They think that I think I'm better now or whatever. Look, no, 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 no. You don't have to worry. 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse number 1 says, I charge thee therefore, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter, yes, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse number 1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Jesus Christ is the only judge with which we need to be concerned. I said, we don't have to worry about what everybody else thinks what we do. I'll say it again. We don't have to worry about. We don't even have to worry about what other Christians think what we do. As we try. No, no, I'm talking about as we try to live our life for God. As we are doing our best to do what God would have us to do in this life. We don't have to worry about what anybody thinks except Him. He's the one we'll stand before one day. He is our judge. He is the one we need to be concerned with at all times. Him. And we need to be long-suffering with the lost. Because in the end, it is Jesus who will settle it all. He'll settle it all. We need to be long-suffering about them. He is, he is going to be the one to identify who are truly the strange ones. He will. And I can guarantee you, in His eyes, as we try to live for Him, it ain't us. It ain't us. We're doing the right thing. Look at verse number 6. We're we're doing great here. Look at verse 6. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. A lot of years have gone by. And there have been people that once lived here on this earth that heard the gospel. They used to be alive and they heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some were saved. Hallelujah, we read about that. Some remain lost. We read about some of those also. Time has gone on. People have heard the gospel. Some have saved. Some remain lost. Some are saved. Some remain lost. Those that were saved back then that are now dead even during that time, no matter how long ago or how short ago it was, were judged by others because of their choice to live according to how God wanted them to live. They were judged by others. No, 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 we're not the first ones. We're not the first ones. No. All along the way, people have lived, trusted Christ, and have been judged by other people. We're not the only ones that have gone through this. Here's the good part. Here's the good part those that were saved and that were judged by others for living godly lives are living in the presence of God. And, and, and they have not one regret about the decisions that they made to live their life in a godly manner. I said they have not one regret we're deciding to live a godly life, a separated life, living a life for God, surrendering to God to do God's will, going off to foreign countries and doing God's will, preaching the gospel around the country, doing God's will, being in all types, they have not one regret in the decisions they made to live their life the way that God wanted them to live their life. They have not one regret about that. Nary a one. Not one. You know, as you attempt to live the life that God asks you to live as a believer, you need to remember. Remember what, preacher? Verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch under prayer. Here's what you have to remember. Remember. You have this one life to live here on earth. will not be reincarnated. It's not going to happen. There's this one lady used to tell Miss Pam, if I, if I was going to be reincarnated, I wanted to come back as Miss Pam's dog. She spoils them dogs so much, but we're not going to be reincarnated. I don't want to come back as a cow. I don't want to come back as a tree. I don't want to come back as a dog. I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back. I want to go to heaven. I want to stay there when I go to heaven. And I don't want to come back. We're not going to. No, no. We have this one life to live. One. One. We've been saved by the grace of God, if you are saved by the grace of God. We have been saved by the grace of God. And whatever time that you have left in front of you is all that you have. It's all that you have. Why wouldn't we choose every day to live it the way that God wants us to live it when He's done so much for us? He says here, the end of all things is at hand. And it is. It is. When do you think that's going to happen? I have no idea. But I know that the end is coming. And again, whether whether Jesus comes and gets us, takes us out of here, or whether we... Face death, the end is coming. It's coming. We don't know when that will be for each one of us. But while we're here, we need not fret how unbelievers may persecute us for living godly. We don't need to fret how anybody would persecute us for living godly. Because there are a lot of professing Christians today that want to downplay and want to belittle someone for living the way that God has dealt with them to live. I'm telling you, the one that we will answer to is Christ Himself. And He's the only one with which we need to be concerned. Be sober, he said there in verse 7. Watch and pray. Be serious minded. He's not talking about not drinking. Be serious minded. Serious minded about what? About all these things he just wrote about. About living your life to please God without any thought of anybody else. Because we know this for sure, and I'm done. We know this for sure. If we're pleasing Him, if we're doing our best to live a life that's pleasing unto Him, it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. At all. It doesn't matter. Make the best of the rest of your time here on earth. Make the best of it. To the glory of God. To the glory of God. Not your will. Or somebody else's will. Not your brother's will. Or your sister's will. Or your cousin's will. Not your grandma and grandma's will. Not your mom and dad's will. God's will. You live the way that God would have you to live. And I'm telling you. There's no better way to live. The rest of your time. Live your life for God. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for Your Word and how encouraging it is to us. And it is encouraging. As we try to live this life, we know that You understand that we are but dirt. That the only good thing about us that have trusted Christ is that we're saved by Your grace. And that we have the Holy Ghost of God living in us. And because of that, we do have victory over the lust of our own flesh, over the sin that dwells in us. We have victory as we choose to follow You and yield to You each and every day. As we listen to You more than we listen to this world and worldly philosophies and all of those things, God, You guide us in a way and You give us victory beyond anything or anybody could ever give us. You do. and Father, we don't know how many days we have left, but our desire is to live it the best we can for you and we can't do that without help and I don't know how you may have spoken to hearts I just pray that your will would be be done in each and every life however you're dealing with us that we would realize that one day we'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll answer to Him and at that time there won't be any excuse making Lord at that time it'll just be what it is help us Lord to make decisions that will make the best of the rest of our lives from this day forward. I'm going to ask Brother Bronner to play for a moment. Maybe you need to just turn aside and ask God for some help in this area. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You just need to talk to somebody right there in your home about how you can get that all settled. Maybe God's been dealing with you about surrendering part of your life or your whole life to him you'd take this opportunity to just do that god whatever you want wherever you'd have me to go whatever you would have me to do lord that's exactly what i want just make a determination that uh you're going to use your life for his honor and for his glory for the rest of your days you'll not go wrong doing that be a great decision lead to a great life.